Pastor Xavier Reese explains the clear advantages of a spirit-filled life. Wine is a depressant. The Holy Spirit stimulates. Wine helps you lose control. The Spirit gives you complete control. Wine gives you a foggy mind and distorted vision. The Spirit gives you a clear mind and proper vision. Drunkenness is marked by lack of wisdom and foolishness, and being filled with the Spirit of God is a mark of wisdom. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Colleges and universities are filled with students eager to find their purpose, their path in life. Well, sometimes many Christians find themselves wandering aimlessly, but Pastor Xavier says there is a clear path to finding your purpose, a path that can only be found using the roadmap of the Holy Spirit. Here he is with today's study. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The message is entitled, The Wise Are Filled with the Holy Spirit. The number of alcoholic-related deaths that take place every year in the U.S. between the ages of 16 and 24 is staggering. It is equivalent to filling up a 747 jet twice a week and crashing them every week. A staggering number. We are exhorted as believers to be under the control of the Holy Spirit and nothing but the Holy Spirit. Certainly, we can all identify with drinking and the consequences and the tragedies that come along with it. Many of us used to drink heavily. Many of us come from homes that have alcoholic problems and everything else that comes with it. Uh, it is a national pastime that we are very diligent towards, particularly in youth. Uh, always has been, but it seems to be that it's more destructive today. Paul tells the Thessalonians, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep in the night, and those who get drunk are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of salvation, a hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8. This is the mark of wisdom to abstain from the old life and to be absorbed in the new life. Paul gives us seven marks very specific marks that are to characterize the believer's walk in wisdom from verses 15 to 21. The first three are to walk circumspectly as wise men and women, not as fools. The second is to walk redeeming the time, knowing the days are evil. And thirdly, to walk understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now these three seem to be for the benefit of the unbeliever by the living example of the believer in light, or as light, for the purpose of their salvation. And we're there as the link. The last four that follow seem to be for the benefit of the believer's spiritual empowerment and maturity, from verse 18 through 21. Now, notice the key verse of this section is verse 18, our text. It is both the power that gives a new life and the power that maintains and matures the new life. 
It is a transitional verse from the benefit towards the unbeliever to the benefit for the believer. Being filled with the Spirit of God is the fourth mark that is characterized as the believer being a wise person, walking in wisdom. The other three follow in verses 19 through 21. What we want to do this morning is focus our study on verse 18 and the three things that the believer is taught regarding being filled with the Spirit of God instead of wine. Let me read the text. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Short and straight to the point, but it must be seen in the backdrop that we've just given to you. Three things I want to call your attention to. First, being filled with the Spirit is in contrast to being filled or drunk with wine. Secondly, being filled with the Spirit is compared to being affected with wine. And then thirdly, being filled with the Spirit is a command. Let's begin with the first. Being filled with the Spirit is in contrast to being drunk with wine. The negative implies danger by contrast. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Notice that the apostle has been contrasting the lifestyle of the children of darkness to the children of light from verse 1 down to 17. There's the context. Let me just run through it. Verse 1 through 3, the children of darkness walk in lust, using people to gratify themselves sexually in and in every form without any restraint. While the children of love and of God love others, pleasing God, not themselves. Verse 4, the children of darkness walk in defiled speech, which is obscene. It has double meaning. It is filled with filthy jokes. While the children of love give thanks to God. In verse 8 through 14, the children of darkness walk in unfruitful works of darkness, while the children of light expose them as evil in order that they may be saved. Then verse 15 through 17, the children of darkness walk by every standard of man, wasting time, being foolish, while the children of light are walking in wisdom, following God's word, taking advantage of every opportunity, understanding the will of God. The command is not to be drunk with wine. Again, is that contrast. It's a command that's in contrast to what the Gentile world lived out as a norm. Paul lived in the day when drunkenness was life as usual. No different than today. All of the sins mentioned and even more are compounded and taken to the greater extreme through drunkenness, which is evidence of not being wise but foolish in the evil day. Now, secondly, I want to point out to the whole of Scripture that it gives to us the very same testimony and also declares it to be a lack of wisdom to be drunk with wine. Let me just run and just jot these down. In Genesis 9, 21 through 22, you remember Noah? God has just destroyed the whole world, right? Noah plants a vineyard, he drinks of it, and he's passed out naked. On the floor, his son sees it, one of them mocks him. That's some of the, where the curse comes in. 
You remember Lot's daughters in Genesis 19, 32 to 35? God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They thought God had destroyed all of mankind. They said, listen, that's going to be the end of mankind. Let's get dad drunk. I'll lay with him tonight. You lay with him tomorrow, and we can keep the population going. Incest. Moabites, the Ammonites. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, in Leviticus 10, 9. After God has given meticulous instruction how to offer the sacrifice, what to do, what not to do. They drank a little wine, offered strange fire, God barbecued them. To make sure it wasn't thought of as an accident, their bodies were consumed, but their clothing was not even touched. Absalom murdered Amnon while he was intoxicated with wine for the rape of his sister Tamar in 2 Samuel 13. The Proverbs equally instruct us. One prohibition is found in Proverbs 21. Wine is said to be a mocker being personified as one who is against the person ridiculing his actions and his person. Intoxicating strong drink arouses brawling, producing a false sense of courage and ability. I can lick anybody in the house. <laughs> the more you drink, the better you get. You think you can do anything, you can't do a thing. The one who partakes of it is said to be led astray by its influence and declared to be unwise. Let me just read you. This is interesting in Proverbs. In Proverbs 23, verse 29 through 35, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounded without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites you like a serpent and it stings you like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea. In other words, can't stop things from turning. Or like one who lies on the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? I presume some of us can identify foolishness. Now, thirdly, let me give you a contrast and the contrast that illustrates here. Wine is a depressant. The Holy Spirit stimulates. Wine gives you a false concept of self. The Spirit, a reality of self. Wine breaks down morals. The Spirit upholds morals. Wine helps you lose control. The Spirit gives you complete control. Wine gives you a foggy mind and distorted vision. The Spirit gives you a clear mind and proper vision. Wine makes you sensual. The Spirit makes you spiritual. Wine only makes things get worse. The Spirit only makes things get better. You can keep adding to your list. Fourthly, the consequences are costly. The person being drunk with wine is not with dissipation. So the one who practices is with dissipation. The word dissipation, in its root meaning, it means to save. But when you put an A in front of a Greek word, it makes it a negative. So the meaning is unsaving, uncontrollable, wasteful, destructive in quality. 
Whenever wine is associated, there is not one good thing that can take place. It begins with your physical health and body. And from there, it's downhill. Alcohol attacks the higher senses of the brain and destroys everything it comes in contact with. If you don't believe me, leave a piece of meat, a piece of steak, and some alcohol, some whiskey tonight, and come and see it tomorrow morning. That's what it does to your body, every place it touches. Each person is born with about 17 billion brain cells. Once they are destroyed, they can never be reproduced. They are the only thing in your body that cannot be reproduced, brain cells. Your pastor is lacking a few million. <laughs> what we could have been without the alcohol. The word is used of the prodigal son for riotous living. That's the word. Wasteful of all he possessed. He wasted his inheritance. He wasted his sexual purity. He lost all his friends when he lost all his money. He ended up fighting with the pigs for his food. Now, this is not to say that those who drink alcohol are the only ones who are involved in this kind of lifestyle. Certainly, you don't have to be a drunkard to be involved with this, but drunkenness makes it worse. It makes it more extreme. It makes it more prominent. It makes it more evil. Drunkenness is marked by lack of wisdom and foolishness, and being filled with the Spirit of God is a mark of wisdom. If you drink, here is advice from a Western Voice magazine written about four decades ago, so you have to adjust the price, okay? but I think you'll get the idea. If you are a married man who absolutely must drink whiskey, start a saloon in your own home. Be its only customer, and you won't have to buy a license. Give your wife $20 to buy a gallon of whiskey. There are 69 glasses to the quart. Buy your drinks from your wife at the present price per drink. Then it was 50 cents. Make the adjustment. When the first gallon is gone, your wife will have $120 to put in the bank and $20 to start in business again. If you live two years, continue to buy all your whiskey from your wife and then die with snakes in your boots, your widow will have enough money to bury you decently, bring up your children, marry a decent man, and forget all about you. We laugh, but it's so tragic in life, isn't it? Broken homes. My own father, I love him. I love him more since he died four years ago. Greatest guy in the world, but alcohol just hurt his life. Greatest guy you could ever meet, but alcohol took his life earlier. How many young men and ladies have lost their virginity due to being drunk and lowering the standards, experiencing sex for the first time in the backseat of a car, their own bed, or their boyfriend's bed? They will never forget it, that sorrowful surrender. They were there. How many young girls have found themselves pregnant, too young to care for their children, and then they become a liability to society, perhaps contacting a sexually transmitted disease and, and having aborted the first child, then they could not have no more children anymore. Paul tells the Corinthians, do you, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. There's been a change, people. Thank God for God's grace to forgive us and to cleanse us. But if you have not experienced drinking or sex or any other things, and then if you after hearing this go out and do it, you will regret it more than any pagan ever has because you have sinned against light. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, I shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption from the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you reap to the spirit everlasting life. Absolute principle. The financial cost to everyone is incredible. The amount of money that is lost in the workforce, consequently, is into the ten to hundreds of billions of dollars from absenteeism, from alcohol-related things. The cost for arrests, trials, and jailing of drunkards costs more than $100 million a year, and these figures are old. The cost of family life is extreme, bringing up children in broken homes, shattered lives, terrible examples. One half of all traffic fatalities, homicides, and one-fourth of all suicides are alcohol-related. The believer is not to fall into these things. He's not to be, make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul says that in Romans 13, 11 through 14. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Wake out of sleep. Yet there are so many that would appropriate this very conduct today within the church. Thinking that they're all right. If you are a drunkard, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. If you're a fornicator, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. If you're a covetous person, that's where you live, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. That includes your pastor. Paul told Thessalonians, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passions of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter, he's talking to Christians, where Christians would take advantage of a young lady or a young man and seduce them, to trust them, to try them beyond their, their point of strength. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarn you and testify. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. The context is speaking to Christians, Christians. He's not talking to the non-believer. He's talking to Christians in the church. Being filled with the Spirit is in contrast to being drunk with wine. Secondly, being filled with the Spirit is compared to being affected with wine. The positive is implied an object lesson by comparison. Notice first the meaning to be filled has to be interpreted by the context. Now, the word filled is used in a non-literal way in Scripture. In Romans 13.8, Galatians 5.14, many other places, it's used to fulfill a divine command or claim. 
In Revelations 8:11, it is used to fill up a specific measure, such as the number of martyrs to be killed. In Matthew's gospel, it is the favorite phrase of Matthew to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. In Colossians 4:17, it is used to complete and finish one's ministry. In this case, Archippus. Now, the word also is used in a literal way where that which fills takes possession or control. In John 18, 16, it says, Sorrow fill the hearts of the disciples, literally. Acts 13, 52, the disciples were filled with joy. In 2 Corinthians 7, 4, Paul said he was filled with comfort. In Ephesians 5.18, our text, the believer is to be filled with the Spirit, literally. The third person of the Trinity. Now, the Greek grammar is unique here and doesn't follow the genitive case, but the instrumental case. The Holy Spirit is the divine instrument who exerts this control and could be translated, be controlled by the Spirit. The believer is to allow himself or herself to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, to be supplied liberally so as to walk in the Spirit even as a drunk is controlled by alcohol. Now, secondly, the comparison has no literal meaning when it comes to losing control. So let's clear that up, okay? We don't want to press the parallel too far. We've all seen drunks. You lose your senses, your balance, your direction. That's not the case with the Holy Spirit. You remember in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, they accused him of being drunk. He says, no, 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 it's 9 o'clock in the morning, Acts 2.13. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They were in control. They were speaking in other dialects of all the people that were there. They were under control of the Holy Spirit and in complete control of their person. The Holy Spirit never causes you to do something stupid or out of control. Keep that in mind, okay? A lot of extreme Pentecostal churches teach you that, you know, if you're really filled with the Spirit, you know, you'll, you know, you'll fall to the ground, call it slain in the Spirit. The only people I know that were slain in the Spirit was Ananias and Sapphira. They never got up. If you want to go for that, let's do it. But they're the only ones. Paul was not slain in the Spirit on the road to Damascus. He was knocked to the ground. When Jesus said, uh, I am he, when they came to get him in the garden, those were non-believers that he cast to the ground. Not believers. So you're hard-pressed for the doctrine of slain in the spirit. It's more of a flesh thing, an emotional thing. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. God will never make you do anything against your will, nor will he make you look foolish, nor will he take you out of your own control. Never. So don't blame the Spirit for your carnal actions and attitudes and deeds. Thirdly, the comparison between wine and the Holy Spirit is in view of influence. As a man is under the influence of alcohol and yields to his desires, so a believer is to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, yielding to the desires of God. As an alcoholic cannot quench his thirst, so
so the believer is to thirst after the Holy Spirit. Psalm 42, 1 says, As a deer thirsts after the water brook, so thirst I after you, O Lord. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of being filled with the Spirit and the danger of being filled with the world. Now, there's more to this study, and that's next time. But if you won't be able to join in, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is, The Wise Are Filled with the Holy Spirit. And make sure you pass along this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is, The Wise Are Filled with the Holy Spirit, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Who's in control of your life? Find out the importance of being Spirit-filled when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 